welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest, and And on on earth peace peace to people of goodwill. goodwill. We We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who through the grace of adoption chose us to be children of light, grant, we pray, that we may not be wrapped in the darkness of error, but always be seen to stand in the bright light of truth. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, One God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the second book of Kings. One day, as Elisha was on his way to Shunem, a woman of rank who lived there pressed him to stay and eat there. After this, he always broke his journey for a meal when he passed that way. She said to her husband, Look, I am sure the man who is constantly passing our way must be a holy man of God. Let us build him a small room on the roof, and put him a bed in it, and a table and a chair and lamp. Whenever he comes to us, he can rest there. One day, when he came, he retired to the upper room and lay down. He said to his servant Gehazi, Call Ashenamitis. Tell her this. Look, you have gone to all this trouble for us. What can we do for you? Is there anything you would like said for you to the king or to the commander of the army? But she replied, I live with my own people about me. What can be done for her then? She asked. Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son and her husband is old. Elisha said, Call her. The servant called her. And she stood at the door. This time next year, he said, 
you will hold a son in your arms. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. I will sing forever of your love, O Lord. Through all ages my mouth will proclaim your truth. Of this I am sure, that your love lasts forever, that your truth is firmly established as the heavens. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. Happy the people who acclaim such a king, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face, who find their joy every day in your name, who make your justice the source of their bliss. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. For it is you, O Lord, who are the glory of their strength. By your favor it is that our might is exalted. For our ruler is in the keeping of the Lord, our king in the keeping of the Holy One of Israel. Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. A reading from a letter to the Romans. When we were baptized in Christ Jesus, we were baptized in his death. In other words, when we were baptized, we went into the tomb with him and joined him in death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the Father's glory, we too might live a new life. But we believe that having died with Christ, we shall return to life with him. Christ, as we know, having been raised from the dead, will never die again. Death has no power over him anymore. When he died, he died once for all to sin, so his life now is life with God. And in that way, you too must consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive for God in Christ Jesus. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy people. Praise God, who call you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus instructed the twelve as follows. Anyone who prefers father or mother to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who prefers son or daughter to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow in my footsteps is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And those who welcome me welcome the one who sent me. Anyone who welcomes a prophet will have a prophet's reward. And anyone who welcomes a holy man will have a holy man's reward. If anyone gives so much as a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is a disciple, then I tell you solemnly, he will most certainly not lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this is a tough gospel. Um, Tough not only in putting it into practice, but even in just understanding what the Lord Jesus is talking about. Jesus is inserting himself at the very centre of our lives 
even more closely than our most intimate relationships. He speaks about not being preferred to father or mother, not being preferred to son or daughter. And he points out then that we need to be willing to take up our cross and follow him. In other words, that we need to hold him as more precious than even our own lives. But what an interesting choice to have chosen these three relationships which speak so fundamentally about where we come from and who we are. The relationship, first of all, with our parents, then the relationship with children, and then finally the relationship that we have with ourselves. Now, because we're generalizing, let's generalize best case scenario. Apart from your brothers and sisters, um, we've all got different parents. So let's assume for argument's sake that we've all had really great parents and ones that we love with a great deal of affection. I know that's not necessarily true, but you know, let's say for argument's sake, that's where we're at. We also know that a lot of parents have children who cause them great degrees of sorrow. But you know what? Let's take best case scenario and assume that all parents have a great natural affection for their kids. And we also know that many people find their lives to be extremely burdensome and to lose their life might not be something that they dread especially. But you know what? Let's assume best case scenario that everyone has a great love for their own life and that everyone has a great desire that it continues on. Right, that's a fair few assumptions to make, but at least we're putting forward the toughest case. I love my parents, I love my kids, I love my own life so much that to love Jesus even more is going to be a big ask. Now, let's pause for a second and, you know, ask a bit of a hypothetical question. Why did Jesus pick these three relationships? Parents, kids, and with yourself. Well, I I suppose on the one hand, we could probably say, well, they're three of the most intense relationships that we have. And, you know, they have within themselves a built-in natural instinct that especially when those relationships go well, they start to describe the highest form of natural joy for us. But I think Jesus doesn't just highlight these three relationships particularly because of their intensity, as true as that is. I think there's something else that's going on here too. Because he could have mentioned, you know, anyone who loves their best friend more than me isn't worthy of me. Or anyone who loves their pet more than me isn't worthy of me. But when we stop and think about it, what these three relationships have in common is life. The relationship I have with my parents is such an important and privileged relationship and, you know, please God, is a very happy and loving relationship, but it's an important relationship because it's where I derive my life from. My mum and dad, they're my mum and dad because they're the ones who gave me my life. They're the ones who gave me my natural existence. And so, you know, this is such an important relationship that it has a whole commandment built around it. The fourth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. Well, why honor them? Precisely because you owe them everything. But from then having described a relationship with parents, Jesus then goes on to speak about the relationship that we have with children. 
that for those of us who are parents, you know, this becomes such an important relationship in our lives because having passed on our life to another, that they then become such a focal point within our lives. It, it becomes what our lives now are, are about. And you can see that the, the best of parents make so many sacrifices for their kids, not just because of instinct and because of natural affection, but because them are kids. When Jesus then mentions about being willing to carry our cross, being willing to take up an instrument of execution and rather die than abandon Jesus, well, once again, he's talking about life, our own life. And so we find ourselves in this, in this network of having come from life of being able to give life and in having our own lives entrusted into our hands. And Jesus inserts himself in a place which is even more close and intimate than any of these three. Now, why? Because God has the gift of a kind of life that surpasses the one that we have from our parents. And I think this kind of life gets described in today's gospel by the word it. Listen to this. Jesus says, anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. I think that's what that it is. It's the kind of life that Jesus comes to bring us. It's the kind of life that isn't simply the best of all human lives that we could possibly receive from our parents. Any kind of fulfillment of life that we could possibly manufacture for ourselves by preserving our life and pursuing our own welfare. It's the kind of life that we can only receive from him. So here's the thing. If I make my central preoccupation this kind of earthly life that I've received from mum and dad that I pass on to my kids, that I have in my own hands, then I lose it. Think of it this way. The life that I've received is in actual fact just the potential to receive something even greater, which is eternal life. And if I make my central preoccupation everything that I can pursue in this life, without ever looking towards the more which Jesus longs to give us, then I lose the very purpose and meaning of what my life was entrusted to me for, which was exactly that, to seek something beyond it. We have our life here on earth to spend, to use up, to find the more which is beyond it. And if I spend my life merely on those things which are within the earthly matrix of my life, even, even the most important and the most precious things, like mother, father, son, daughter, and even my own life itself, if that's what becomes the central preoccupation of what I'm about, I'll lose my life because I won't have clung to the one who gives me something more, who gives me something beyond this life. 
If I'm not willing to take up a cross and use my life for something bigger than myself, I'll lose the life that I have. But if I take up my cross and follow Jesus, he leads me to the resurrection, to the fullness of life. All right, this is already a long homily, but but I think one last little point to sort of balance everything out. I don't think Jesus is saying that the course of our natural lives needs to be a miserable sacrifice until finally we get eternal life. That everything just needs to be miserable on this side of the grave so that everything can be perfect on the other. That this life needs to be loveless until we finally come to God. I don't think he's saying that at all. The natural relationships that we have, especially of mother and father, of of son and daughter, and even the natural relationship that we have with ourselves in enjoying our own lives and finding our own lives truly good and precious, that these natural relationships are good, but they're not God. That while they are so important and precious to us, They can't be at the very centre. They can't take the place which belongs to God alone. Because even these most precious and most natural of our relationships mustn't become idols. They can't occupy that central place in our lives which truly only belongs to God. Because at the end of the day, the only one who can truly promise us new life and eternal life is Jesus. And the life that he promises isn't a life of deprivation and sadness and sorrow. It's not a life without parents or family or the things that truly make life beautiful. But, says Jesus, seek first what's first. Seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be given as well. But, Seek anything other than God first, and even what you have, you lose. And now let's together profess our faith by praying the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the the Father Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. 
graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will, and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.